I'm Katie J. And I'm Katie H. Welcome to the Katie's. Good morning. Welcome to another Katie's podcast. Good morning. Welcome back. Hello, hello. <laughs> As you can tell, Katie J is a little bit I under the weather a pack today. Coming in, <laughs> so it's rough. No, I just I've gotten this funky sickness for like the last like once a month for the last three months, and it just absolutely shoots out my voice. Mm-hmm. So. I, I think everyone listening probably is going through the same thing. Yeah. Everyone is sick. Everybody and their mother and yeah. the baby and everybody else is sick yeah. right now. But yeah, I just don't sound so pleasant, so bear with us. <laughs> yeah, so if you hear a little more of my voice in this episode today, we're, we're trying to yeah. spare hers a little bit. She's so. not shutting me up. I, I promise. Just- <laughs> yeah. I promise. And if it's a little choppy because we're editing out yeah. phlegm and coughing the whole time, bear with my us. My water bottle crinkling every <laughs> 800 times. But no, we are so happy to be talking to you once again. And I just want to say really quickly, thank you guys so much for listening and supporting us and encouraging us and It's just so sweet to have this little space that we get to be in every week. And, you know, whenever we look at our numbers, we always just think of like, this is a, this is a room full of like young women that all are interested in the same things and are pursuing the Lord. And it's like not something we take lightly that we get to, to chat with you and to study the word of God with you and to push you towards these things as we push ourselves towards them. So, um, I just, God is so good. We, we really love you guys. And I know everybody says that but genuinely like we yeah. were just reflecting before we started recording we love you guys yeah. this is such a good thing and this is like kind of a crazy time this will be um like we just released our 40th episode crazy and so that's like wild because we committed to doing 20 yeah we and were like done double. and 20 felt insane we 20 were like, felt like oh my gosh how do we even lot. have 20 ideas like i don't even know 20 yeah. things to talk about <laughs> yeah. but the lord equips in obedience when so we, yeah we and are. we just keep getting more ideas <laughs> the farther do. we go which is we're crazy. just full of opinions and well. ideas <laughs> which kind of helps <laughs> it's true but it's also i don't know i don't feel like it's totally no. like me to just have ideas all the time yeah. so it's I'm thankful. Anyway, enough of the sappy stuff. You guys know we love you. (laughs) But today we're going to be doing another scriptural study on a character of the Bible. And you guys know I've been going through Old Testament and um, Deuteronomy and I'm now in Judges. And I was reading the story of Samson recently and reading some studies on Samson and all this stuff and just kind of reflecting on like, this is not the felt board Bible story that I was taught (laughs) in children's church. You know what I mean? And no, no shade to children's church. They do a great job, but there is so much meat here and so much understanding. And the thing that I want to pull out of this today is really the like interconnectedness and beauty of scripture and the beauty of God's like plan um, for his people. And it, it just points to so many things that are so much bigger than Samson. And there's so much about the story of Samson too, that sort of flips our like, understanding of God on its head. (laughs) And so I don't know that I'm going to have a ton of like answers for you today from this study, but I think it's going to be one that challenges you, makes you think, makes you meditate on the Lord, turns you back to the word of God. That's my hope at the very least. So focusing in this story, we're going to be focusing on God's power through weakness. And this takes place in Judges chapter 13 through chapter 16. And it's actually split into three parts. And I want to point out here that the 
story of Samson is a Christological story. So it is meant to point to the story and the need for Christ very imperfectly. Samson is actually kind of like the opposite of Christ in every way. Yeah, he's Um, kind of, he's a little shady. He's very shady. But his story is divided into three parts, into birth, life, and death. And this is coming on the tales of many other judges who came before him in this period of Israel's unfaithfulness and then deliverance and unfaithfulness and then deliverance. And um, one of the main themes in Judges is this phrase, they did evil in the Lord's sight. I actually put a note here. Remember our remembrance episode? Yeah, Israel forgot. <laughs> like they, <laughs> yeah. they didn't remember. Here we are once again, not remembering. <laughs> not remembering. But this whole story of Samson is like a greater foreshadowing of what the nation of Israel is going to experience um, through Solomon specifically, but then also uh, through Jesus. So it's this like greater example of like, oh my gosh, look how chaotic and wicked and like backwards things have become in the nation of Israel. And so a little bit more context here, Israel kept falling into idolatry and compromise and intermarrying with their pagan neighbors and all this stuff in the promised land and were continually being oppressed and invaded. And God would just raise up judges to deliver these people because um, they didn't have a king. They didn't have like an organized political structure, any of these things. They were all these separate tribes and God would raise up one leader who would um, come in and in one way or another, miraculously by the power of God, deliver them from the Philistines or the Amorites or whoever it was at the time, right? And the interesting thing about the book of Judges is that so that all these stories are in chronological order. But it starts with Othniel or however you say his name. And um, he delivered, he was a judge who delivered Israel. But he, after his, you know, period of judgment, Israel had peace for 40 years. So that's like a, it was a significant period of peace. And then those periods of peace get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller after every judge. (laughs) They're like, it's a little bit too peaceful. I think we should probably like cast something out of gold. (laughs) Yeah, we should probably like buy idols and start doing wicked things. Yeah, head to that idol market and purchase some idols. (laughs) Literally. Forgetting all their covenants. Anyway, the the like periods of peace get shorter and shorter, but what's also interesting about the book of Judges and its structure is that the stories of each judge get longer and longer. So Mm -hmm. like Othniel is like a righteous judge. He does, he does like what's pleasing in the sight of the Lord, all these things. His story is like a couple verses, like yeah. max. Like it's super, super short. He got it done, got <clears throat> out of there. Got it done, got out of there. And as we get longer and the judges get more complicated and more sinful and more corrupted along with the nation of Israel, their stories get longer and longer. It's just really interesting. Yeah. And it's all meant to point to then the need for Samuel to come and to declare a king and all these things. And then as we know, the kings mess everything up too. Mm-hmm. Um, so... This book is like a steady march towards disobedience and chaos, uh, necessitating a godly king, uh, when in reality, God always desired that his people would listen to him, to like see the goodness of his law, to be unified under him rather than under a man. Like Mm -hmm. this whole point is just like God's heart is breaking and, you know, his patience is wearing thin and yet his faithfulness and his covenant remain through all of these things. Yeah, And so that's like, if we just had to summarize the story of Samson specifically, it is a perfect encapsulation of that greater story of Judges, that man is faithless, God is faithful. He remembers his promises even when man does the very opposite of what they have promised in return. So we're going to start in chapter 13, but do you have any thoughts on the background before I get into it? You're good? I don't think so. Okay. 
So I just don't want to keep talking over you. <laughs> You're good. I'm like over here fighting for my life. To no. Okay, no so chapter 13. This is uh, Samson's birth, his consecration, and like the significance of his life in chapter 13. So God had given Israel up into the hands of the Philistines. They had done what is evil in his sight. Sight is going to be an important factor in this story. And what's interesting here is that the people had actually just like stopped crying out for help from God. Like they actually weren't even asking to be delivered anymore. Um, They were probably pretty hopeless, but also at this point, like they're losing their identity. Like they're, they're intermingling, they're intermarried, they're participating in all these pagan practices and probably worshiping these other gods. And they've lost hope in, in God, even though he has continued to deliver them every time they've cried out. I was about to say, I wonder why that is. Like, why stop crying out to God, especially um, when you know there's a covenant in place between yourself and him? But I wonder if there—this is just speculation, like, my own wondering. Like, I wonder if there's, like, a shame involved of, like, we Mm -hmm. (laughs) can't—we keep messing up. We keep turning to idols. We keep marrying foreign women. We keep doing all this stuff, like— should we even be able to come before the Lord? Mm. And I wonder if that's an aspect of it. But also in the grander story of Israel, we don't often see like this shame for their <laughs> actions. We see, you know, God having to remind them that mm-hmm. they're a sinful na- nation because they don't get it. <laughs> like yeah. they're not understanding. So I do wonder if it's just like them fully forgetting God and rejecting him mm-hmm. because at this point, you know, you're you're talking about these periods of rebellion being so long and these bad judges being put in place for such a long time. I wonder also if it ties back into that kind of remembrance idea we were mm-hmm. talking about yeah. of these people probably weren't around for the good judges and yeah. they're having to rely on what their parents did pass down to them or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of like the concept of, um, I think it was, in the story of Joseph, there was a, or after the story of Joseph, there was a new king who had, or a new pharaoh who didn't remember Joseph. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, was doing all of these things because he didn't have any reason to honor Joseph anymore. And mm-hmm. I, that is the story of Joseph, correct? Well, that's, I mean, after. That's like, yeah, that's like after years Joseph. after yeah, Joseph. And as, but, like, as the people become enslaved. And, yes, yeah. yeah. But it's the same idea yeah. of like forgetting the purpose of like laws being put in place or mm-hmm. practices being put in place and turning. So yeah. I don't know, that's a, like a lot of jumbled thought, but it's an interesting concept to right. just stop crying out to the Lord. Yeah. Well, and it's an interesting like through line of scripture too. Like yeah. there's all these different themes that we just see over and over and over and over again. Like whenever you see something repeated or a habit repeated or yeah. like a you know a tendency of the people like it keeps happening there's a reason like the the bible is incredibly interconnected um and none of it is accidental you know like yeah. things that are included in here are included for a reason so anyway samson his mother is barren has no children and an angel it actually says the angel of the lord appears to her and tells her that she is barren, but she is going to conceive and have this child. Another way that Samson is a Christological figure, mm-hmm. um, that his his birth is announced to this woman who is barren, and she actually responds with faith, unlike some of the other women that this has happened to up until this point in the Bible. So we have Sarah, 
you know, other examples of women laughing or things happening. Uh, yeah. This this woman is unnamed, um, and her husband is a little bit <laughs> faithless in his response in this in this story. Uh, we don't have time to get into all of that, but she has faith that God is going to do what He says He's going to do. This is one of many many times in the story where you're going to get a picture of God bringing beauty and life out of something that is hopeless. That outside of his power, there's no way for anything to come from this. So literally a barren womb, you know, like there's no way for life to come from a barren womb, but God's going to do it. And so from the onset though, the angel tells Samson's mother that Samson is to be consecrated as a Nazarite and set apart for the Lord, that he's going to deliver Israel from the Philistines. Um, But that is contingent upon his vow as a Nazarite, which um, the Nazarite vow was like a symbol of consecration to God. And what it entailed was not cutting your hair as like a visual representation of the symbol, um, abstaining from wine and not touching anything that's unclean. So dead things, things along those lines. You would think like there would now be hope. (laughs) Like this is a good thing. God is bringing about another judge and one that is consecrated to him, like visibly, like the people should unite behind this person. Like finally a hero worthy of, you know, the people of God. miraculous birth, like you should be (laughs) stoked out of your mind. Yeah. And then we get to chapter 14. <laughs> we miss all of Samson's childhood, everything else. But we immediately see Samson taking a Philistine wife. He sees a Philistine woman, and it literally says that she is good in his sight. That <laughs> that's Samson, a good woman right there. Uh, that's a, that's a, she's it. Uh, <laughs> she's a Philistine? Yeah. <laughs> the, the NLT's like literally what Samson says is she looks good to me. Yeah. Like she's, she's right good. in my sight. And once again, The people did what was evil on the side of the Lord. They're trusting on their own sight, their own understanding. And this of all things, marrying a Philistine, marrying the oppressor that you are here to deliver the people from is like insane. Biggest no-no. textbook, really? Yes. (laughs) You know? Yes. However, this is what's crazy. Judges 14 verse 4. However, his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord. For he was seeking an occasion against the Philistines. (laughs) Now at the time, the Philistines were ruling over Israel. So literally, first of many things in the story that we're going to scratch our heads and go, huh? Yeah. That God has ordained Samson to, in all of his lusty (laughs) futility, to see this Philistine woman as a way to come against them. So God uses this flawed means of an imperfect hero to one, in the short term, deliver his people and two, in the long term, show his people their need for a perfect savior. So yeah. I want to read a little bit more of the scripture here and then we'll we'll get into it. I'm going to say exhibit A here. <laughs> the, they need a more perfect savior. So the spirit of the Lord came upon him, Samson, mightily. And this is the first of many times in the story that specifically we hear of the spirit of the Lord coming upon Samson mightily, like emphasize that this is like a powerful filling of the spirit of God. So, okay, wait, wait, this is important too. He has had this wedding feast. So he's been drinking, breaking his vow. Yeah. Like immediately breaking his vow. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Marrying a Philistine woman, not being faithful to the covenant that God has (laughs) placed with Israel. So he is now like walking and he... The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him mightily. A lion has approached Samson. And the scripture here says, so that he tore him as one tears a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. So he literally like rips this lion 
in he's half. Off. I'm going to just rip this line real quick. Wild, wild. Yeah. Crazy. But he did not tell his father and mother what he had done. So he went down and talked to the woman, and she looked good to Samson. When he returned later to take her, he turned aside to look at the carcass of the lion. And behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the body of the lion. Stop here. Bees don't make honey. They don't make hives in dead animals. This is another, like, miraculous. This is a sign from the Lord of, I am bringing something beautiful about from something that is Mm. dead and hopeless. And, you know, maybe, like, acknowledge that and move on because you're a Nazarite and you're not supposed to touch dead things. But no. So, Samson (laughs) scraped the honey into his hands and went on, eating as he went. But it doesn't stop there. When he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them and they ate it. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey out of the body of the lion. I'd be ticked. Um, So, in this passage, let's just break this down really fast. Samson, one, is filled with the Spirit of God powerfully. Awesome. Two, breaks his vow. All right, all right. Perfect. Three, deceives and unknowingly defiles his family. This is rough. This is is rough. Um, Absolutely, absolutely rough. But there's a greater story happening here. You could read this, scratch your head, say, that's weird, and just move on. But what God is showing in this story is that he can bring beauty from death, even doing a work on behalf of his people. Samson here makes the clean unclean unknowingly. He defiles his parents. The Israelites weren't supposed to touch anything that was dead, eat anything that was dead like that. So Samson unknowingly made the clean unclean. But this is pointing to the fact that there is a savior coming, Christ, who will make the unclean clean. The mm-hmm. only one who can do that. Yeah. Um, which is just crazy. And we're going to just like summarize what happens next year because it gets wild. So he goes to this wedding feast. You know, he's eating bees from dead animals. <laughs> eating, eating bees, <laughs> eating honey from dead animals. Just munch on some bees. Just eating bees. <laughs> Sounds honestly like something fancy would do. If anybody were to just straight up munch on some bees, it would be Samson. Maybe John the Baptist. Full disrespect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. John the Baptist. He'd be like, I'm getting kind Both of tired a of unhinged. Yeah. Maybe I should try this bee. <laughs> um, so anyway, he goes to this wedding feast. He He's like a hothead. That's the other thing about Samson. He starts talking and he's like doing this riddle for all of these Philistines. Like he's at this wedding feast just like full of Philistines, right? Um, comfortable, totally comfortable there. And he's like doing this riddle for them to solve. And the riddle is basically like this humble brag on the lion that he killed. And I just know I would have loved Samson back I know, I know. I like wonder what kind of like bravado he had. Oh, Um, I can imagine. I was reading a, (laughs) this is a side note, but I was reading a sermon. I think it was Charles Spurgeon. And he was like talking about the story of Samson. And he was like, he had all of this like physical strength, but... Uh, mental weakness, like a, a, a nice way of saying, like, dude but wasn't very bright. <laughs> he's not very bright. Um, anyway, so he's doing this. He's like provoking all these Philistines, like making them feel stupid. Yeah, they get they get irritated, and then his like father in law deceives him and basically says, "Oh, by the way, the seven days of this wedding feast has now ended. I've actually given um, your intended to the best man." So you can have my younger daughter. Whoopsie. So you can have my younger daughter. And then it says that the spirit of God falls on Samson again. And this is like where the purposes of God are accomplished here. So he sent, Samson goes and gathers foxes. I don't know, 100 or 300 or something crazy. Like literally just is picking up wild foxes. Ties (laughs) ties all their tails together. 
lights them on fire. It's so insane. The Bible, if you say the Bible is boring, like you're not reading it. Can um, I just, can we pause for a second? What's the terrain of this place that we've got? Foxes. Well, they're just laying around. I don't know that they're laying around, but I there know. were like lots of animals. And this is like a super fertile valley. Like there's and stuff a everywhere. straight up lion, too. There's yeah. lions and foxes. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just not like uh, agriculturally and <laughs> ecologically. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not about those ecosystems. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm. This is just one of those things I'm like, I wish I could see what this looked like. For him to like... I want to be there. <laughs> like gathering. Like where are you holding all of these boxes? I'm just picturing... Can I set the scene of what I'm picturing? <laughs> yes, I want to know. This I'm is a tangent, but it's worth it. Being at this wedding and sitting there and being like, oh my gosh, this is like such a fun wedding. And I we're just all having such a great time. But I can't find that Samson guy. He was kind of funny. Yeah. And I'm looking and I see him off in the distance <laughs> collecting foxes. A horde of foxes. He's got like all these foxes in his arms. And, he, and, and like, tying their tails together. Bro, what's he doing? Yeah. And then he lights it on fire. And I'm like, oh, we should probably leave. I think it's time to go. It's time to go. <laughs> I think and we so, should probably head out. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's that's my cue. I'm this is why here. we don't have open bars at weddings. <laughs> this is why. We gotta go. This is, this is why. Um, One of the many reasons. So he... Literally ties them all together somehow. Not clear. Doesn't matter. Not important. <laughs> the Lord them. equips them <laughs> to tie these boxes but together. Actually, though, I know. the literal spirit of God falls on him, and this is what he does. The spirit's wild. 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 And we say that the spirit shouldn't make us dance and worship, but that's... I'll just... I'll digress. <laughs> I'm not even going to comment. Okay. I know. So he <laughs> does this thing. The point is, he sends them off, runs them through this, like, father-in-law's fields. And what he does is they burn down his crops, all of his wine stores, and all of his olive oil stores. So effectively, and it's not just this man. It's, like, the wealth of this entire group of Philistines. So he destroys their wealth, their, you know, livelihood, all of this. Why wouldn't he just burn down the crop? He likes drama. (laughs) That's one of the most important things. You know what? I can appreciate a flair for the dramatic. (laughs) He has a flair for the dramatic. So this leads us into (laughs) chapter 15. Obviously, the Philistines are not happy with this because this was devastating to a great number of them, like financially. Yeah. Um, Also, by the way, the Philistines were so, like, irked that this happened that they, like, threw the father-in-law and the, like, intended wife of Samson into the fire and, like, burned them with the crops and everything. Like, crazy. Anyway, beginning of chapter 15, this is about, like, Samson's strength. Like, that's kind of the theme of this chapter. And the Philistines go to the tribe of Judah, like, to Israel's own people, and they say, we got to get rid of this guy. Like, we'll pay you. We'll pay you to deliver him to us so we can, like, do something about it. And um, the tribe of Judah delivers him into their hands and they're kind of going up to him like dude you're making too much of a scene yeah just let us tie you up we're not gonna kill or, like, you be quiet just yeah for a little bit. we're not gonna like kill you we're just gonna tie you up and give them over. like you're gonna be fine it's it's, it's totally fine <laughs> um and samson's like okay so we know gets, how you love to put on a little play <laughs> yeah they're like please bro like yeah. stop like it's it's better if we just deal with their oppression than yeah. piss them off like this so he sends they send Samson to the Philistines. And then this is the next time that the spirit of God falls powerfully on Samson. And um, what he does is he grabs the jawbone of a donkey. So defiling himself. How many animals Something have to die? <laughs> so many in this story. Um, All of them. Grabs the jawbone of a donkey. But what's so crazy, like 
this is the spirit of God, like leading him yeah. to do that. Like there's so much about this. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but he kills a thousand Philistines. That's crazy. With a bone, with a jawbone. Imagine being taken out by a jawbone. Crazy. So then he has done this great thing. He has wiped out 1,000 of the oppressors of Israel. And the people of God then, what ha- what has happened in the past with the judges and all this stuff is whenever there's like a great deliverance, they write a song or the judge writes a song like praising God for his deliverance or whatever. And the people then write a song about Samson and like, you know, saying, you know, uh, like Samson has killed like this many. They're bragging about his his power and his strength or whatever. And so you can see even in just this example, like their perspective is becoming so darkened yeah. and they're worshiping the like vessel of God yeah. rather than God himself. And, you know, the people of God, another example here of like the Christological nature of this story, um, the people of God, specifically the tribe of Judah, which is the same root word as Judas, to praise God. They sell their rescuer to their oppressor. Um, just another example of like, you're going to miss it. <laughs> like My yeah. people are going to miss it. They're not going to understand what I'm doing. They're, like I said, their hearts, their minds are darkened and they're going to miss what I'm doing, even yeah. though I've made it clear from the beginning. And be consumed by their own greed. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> their own understanding, their own sight. They're only going to see what they can see. They're yeah. not going to see what is pleasing to me, what I've shown them in my law, in my literal appearance to them, in all of these things that I've done for them, the miracles I've performed on their behalf. So what's interesting here is that this like amazing thing happens and then there's like a formula in the book of Judges that when a judge's like reign is over, there's, it'll say like, you know, and then Samson reigned 20 years or judged Israel for 20 years. And that's like the end. Mm -hmm. And that happens at the end of um, chapter 15. So it said Samson's period of judgment ends And what's interesting is that it's like kind of ineffective. Like he hasn't delivered anyone from anything. He's killed some Philistines, but he has done nothing to truly like deliver Mm -hmm. the nation. Um, He's acted in his own interests. Like all his like, his example has really done is show Israel their potential to be rescued. He's shown them their need for it. But we then get to chapter 16 and we see like this whole chapter is kind of like the ineffectual nature of Samson's period of judgment. Like it never really accomplishes what it's supposed to. And this is sort of bringing the whole story of the judges to a close here of saying like, this isn't working. This isn't working anymore. Um, We need something more perfect. And the people are like a king. And God's like, no, that's not (laughs) it either. Once again, not understanding. Once again, not understanding. Um, But he meets his people where they're at. Anyway, so chapter 16 here. This is a great story. This is another one that I'm like, I wish, <laughs> I wish I could see what this looked like. So also we're going to just start first verse, verse 16. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. So it starts with Samson visiting Gaza too. Yeah. Things are good. Um, oh, all Samson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Samson is still the judge of Israel, <laughs> but is he delivering the people from their oppressors? No, he is sleeping with their prostitutes. Yeah. In their cities, okay? So I think I'm supposed to be delivering somebody, but, like, you kind of cute. Yeah, he's a lusty, crusty man. And he's... <laughs> That's going to be the quote I use for, like, our... For our feed. For this. He is. He is, though. So he is, like, sleeping with his prostitute. And 
all of the like people of this city are afraid of him because they know what he's done before, even though he's <laughs> kind of done nothing else. And <laughs> that we know of at least. And they're kind of saying like, that guy's here, Samson's here, wait until the morning and then we're going to kill him while he's least expecting it because he's occupied, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> Samson, like it says that he lays there until midnight and then he like somehow knows that this plot is happening against him. Maybe the Lord is like showing him. It doesn't give us a lot of information. But at midnight, it says that he arose and took hold of the doors of the city gate and the two posts and pulled them up along with the bars. Okay, so picture this. An ancient city, fortified, surrounded by a wall in these places. Um, at midnight every night, the gates would be shut to anyone going in or out, like to protect the city. And so what Samson does is he goes and he literally, like a stone wall, he grabs these metal <laughs> gates like the entire gate themselves and everything surrounding it, like the support surrounding it, picks it up like on his back. What? Like, I don't understand. Hello? <laughs> I don't understand. Picks up on his back and then puts them on his shoulders and carried them up to the top of the mountain, which is opposite Hebron. Hebron. Context here, 40 miles away. 40 miles away. <laughs> that is 40 miles from the city of Gaza. Dude. What? That's wild. I know. Anyway, just absolutely insane. He saw, I'm going to just move your wall real yeah. quick. And so he is, this is again symbolic. He's leaving them vulnerable. He's saying like, yeah. God's going to come deal with you. It's supposed to be through me, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so he's like leaving these this city like vulnerable and all this stuff. And the people are terrified and they're angry. And the fact that this miracle is taking place in the midst of like even more blindness and foolishness and sin is another thing that just makes no sense to us. And like his folly, like his, his lackadaisical, like, you know, that even his enemies at this point know that he is not being faithful to the God that like yeah. he's consecrated to. So he still has this long hair. He's visibly consecrated to the Lord. And he, like his enemies even recognize he's coming into our cities and sleeping with our prostitutes. Yeah. Like what like, is happening? Okay. They're all, I don't actually think being a Nazarite would be that bad. Yeah, it seems fine to me. Um, and so the people are terrified. They're furious. They approach this woman named Delilah, I'm guessing because she was, she was pretty fine or something. They approach this woman named Delilah. Exactly. <laughs> and they tell her like, hey, we will pay you to figure out the source of this man's strength and to bring him down. Like we need to trap this guy. We need to get rid of him. He's a hazard. He hasn't really done much yet, but like seems like he could, you know? And the crazy thing about Delilah is it's pretty clear she doesn't really like Samson. Like she's not really trying very hard. She's like, I just hey, think, why are you strong? Yeah. You know? I just and then, kind of like baller move on her <laughs> She's just like, I'll take the money, but I'm not. Gonna. Yeah. Unpopular opinion. I think she's kind of a baller. <laughs> just kidding. That's the quote yeah. I'm going to take from this is that Katie's a big fan of Delilah. Big, um, big Delilah fan. And playing into the theme of sight that is throughout this entire thing, Samson is so blind to what is happening. This woman is like seducing him, okay, yeah. whatever that looks like. And he is so blind to the fact that three times before he admits to her what's going on, she's like, hey, why are you so strong, you know? <laughs> and then he's like, oh, it's because I need to be tied up with this many bowstrings. And she does it and then wakes him up and is like, oh, Samson, like the Philistines are here to like attack you. And he like wakes up and is like, what? And breaks the bowstrings and then goes back to sleep. And she does the same thing without any change to her plan. And he just keeps like 
messing with her and is like, oh, well, it's fine. And here's the part that is making me just kind of be like, really? Is it seems like he's setting up a trap yeah. to like know that she's trying to bring him down to yeah. like, you know, expose this plan. And then he just straight up goes back to Walk sleep. straight into it. And it's like, okay, my friend, <laughs> what's going yeah, on? Yeah, and I don't know if it's like arrogance. I, the, the whole point is blindness. Like yeah. he's blind. He's yeah. completely foolish because yeah. he has <laughs> defiled himself continually. Yeah. And um, one thing that's interesting here, just a little a little note, bowstrings, like the first thing that he says, like, oh, you got to tie me up with these seven mm-hmm. bowstrings. Um, they were made from the intestines of dead animals. So another, just another example. He's continually <laughs> loves a good dead defiling animal. himself. And again, like I said, two more times after that, she does it. And then it says that he gets like so irritated like it says basically he's like so frustrated with this like nagging woman that the fourth time she asks him like okay for real though like what is it this is getting ridiculous it says like in his frustration he just pours everything that is in his heart out to this woman (laughs) and she recognizes the difference she can see like oh he's serious this time and you would think it's like boy who cried wolf situation that the philistines would be like all right girl this isn't working yeah but she says no no no. like trust me he poured his heart out to me everything that was in there he has like revealed, and I now know that it is his hair that is the source of his strength, which also the Lord never told him that, and there's not something magical about his hair. But what's happening here is that his hair is the, like, you know, he's defiled himself with the wine and the dead animal and all this stuff over and over again. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, obviously defiled himself by going in with prostitutes and all these other things. Like, he has not been faithful to the covenant of the Lord in any sense. But his hair is the, like, physical symbol of his consecration. Yeah. And so what he's saying here is, like, the real secret is that I'm consecrated to the Lord. And, you know, he did it, nothing about me, and, like, he's what makes me strong. That's basically mm-hmm. what he's saying, yeah. whether he understands it or not. And this is then the story of how this goes down. And I think this has, like, literally one of the saddest verses in the Bible in it. Judges 16, 19, 19 through 21. So... Delilah made him sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his hair. Just shave off his hair. Then she began to afflict him and his strength left him. Um, Not sure what afflict him means here. (laughs) She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson, just like she had the last times. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as the other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes, and they brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze chains, and he was a grinder in the prison. Okay, so a couple things here. He had no—he was so blind that he had no understanding that the Lord had left him, that the Spirit of God that had enabled him to do all these things before had left him, which is so sad. Um. And then the Philistines seize him and they gouge out his eyes. So mm-hmm. again, even more just like... It's like the physical blindness to match the spiritual Exactly. Blindness. This like metaphor of sight keeps happening. And it, it's just so sad and so typical and predictable. And like, it seems like at this point he has fully failed as a judge. Like he has yeah. not done any of the things that the Lord has <laughs> really required of him and been faithless in every single thing. But, you know... God is still faithful and he is avenged, but you know, Samson at this point, he abandoned his calling completely. He had failed to act in his role as a judge. And so, um, just like Israel, the only hope that Samson had is that the Lord's former promise was sufficient 
even after his unfaithfulness. And again, this is over and over and over throughout the story, the Old Testament and the New. This is what keeps happening is that um, we have not held up our end of the bargain. (laughs) Like we, we as in us, we as in the nation of Israel, we as in humanity, like we have been faithless. And the only hope that there is for any type of redemption or rescue is that the Lord's promise is good enough and that his word is true. And so Samson cries out to God and begs him for vengeance. He actually doesn't even um, repent. He doesn't, there's no like sense that he's like crying out out of faithfulness or any of these things. He's just saying like, avenge me, like let me get the upper hand one last time. That's kind of what his prayer is. And in doing so, he, you know, if you haven't read the story, he is being like basically paraded in front of all these people and God's, oh, side note, the place he's taken back to is the place he ripped the gates off of. <laughs> so he's being taken back to the same yeah. city um, to be held and ridiculed and mocked for his the entire rest of his sad, imprisoned existence. So sad. <laughs> so yeah. sad. And I mean, honestly, like the picture of that and that type of desperation, just like the fall of God's people, yeah. like the humiliation of just like their faithfulness and where right. it had brought them, like their dependence on themselves brought them to this point. God gave them rescue over and over and over again, and yet they kept turning to their own sight, their own understanding. And this is what it got them, is this yeah. like literal physical humiliation. And so anyway, Samson is being kind of paraded in front of all these people. They're like kind of standing on the roof, looking down, watching him. And Samson leans up against a pillar, and this is when he cries out to the Lord, hey, give me vengeance one more time. It says, the Spirit of the Lord fell on him mightily. He like pushes up against this pillar, collapses the whole building, and kills 3,000 Philistines. And again, not delivering the people from his from the Philistines, but he actually accomplishes more in his death than he did in his life. Wrong motives, but the result is God accomplishing his ends. And there's just so much here that's insane and like kind of blows our paradigm a little bit. But one last way that he is a Christological figure here is that in his death, he accomplishes more than in his life, like that his, his fulfillment of his call is in his death. And, you know, Samson's death leaves an incomplete fulfillment. Like it leaves a momentary victory. It leaves, you know, it's done out of vengeance. It's all of these things. There's no hope beyond him. There's no backup plan after Samson, you know, there's other minor judges and stuff. And then Samuel comes and declares a king, but it's pointing to the fact of like, this is not going to work. You doing things in your own strength, you relying on these human saviors, you doing all of these things is never going to bring about what I can do if you just allow me, if you literally just turn towards me and repent and, um, you know, offer me your love and your obedience. Like, look what I can do even when you're disobedient. Like, imagine what I have for you, like in your obedience and in your faithfulness. And, um, yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know when this next episode will come out. Um, I don't know if it'll be before this one or after this one, but we're going to be talking about Esther. Um, and there's a portion in chapter four where it's talking about um, no matter what happens, God's will is going to be, is going to prevail. Mm-hmm. But we have the opportunity to be a part of it is basically, you know, it's yeah. the perhaps you were made for such a time as this uh-huh. one. And I see so many glimpses of that in this story of Samson yeah. of God's will is going to come about and it is going to prevail yeah. and um, we can be a part of it and we can choose to work in accord with his spirit or we can, you know, 
we can go our own way. And Mm -hmm. like the story of Samson, wreak devastation on ourselves and on our people because think of the picture that that's showing the Philistines of of Israel. You know what I mean? They have their one shadow of a leader there with his eyes gouged out, you know, being paraded through the city. That... That's the equivalent of, you know, their president, their king, whatever. You know what I mean? And so while it may not have been as known to the Philistines that he held such a high importance in Israel, it's still what a humiliation. You know what I mean? And but ultimately we see God moving one step further to the fulfillment of all of these promises he's made. Through the prophets and all of these things that have been foretold and all of this stuff, God is still accomplishing, not not just in spite of his people, but with them in their imperfection. Yeah. It's just such a picture of like God, like you were saying earlier, just meeting people where they're at. And while Samson was displeasing to the Lord, Mm -hmm. he also, I mean, I think about God literally sending the Philistine woman because he knew that Samson would think she was good, you know? And that is, I mean, that's knowing knowing your person, knowing your player and being like, okay, you know what I mean? And there's so much there to be unpacked that I almost like didn't even want to bring up that example because I don't fully understand it. Yeah. Um, But I, there is something there of like, God's going to meet us in our iniquities to yeah. bring about his purpose. He works I mean, all things together for God his used good. Judah yeah. here, and he's Judas mm-hmm. with Jesus. Like, there's, there is no stopping the Lord. Like, there yeah. is no stopping his purposes. Israel tried, all of Israel's enemies tried, <laughs> like, over and over again. Yeah. The people of Israel killed the Messiah. Like, that's also what this is pointing to, is like, you're you're going to miss it, and that doesn't change what I'm going to do. Yeah. And it breaks his heart. And at every single turn, he offers them, he offers them a way out. Yeah. Every single turn. His patience and his kindness and his goodness, like, it's never ending. It isn't. And yet, and equally, he is righteous and he is judge and he cannot abide iniquity and disobedience and all of these things. And it's just, it's a lot to think about. Yeah. <laughs> One other thing that I totally like forgot about that I think is crazy. Hebrews 11 is often referred to as like the hall of faith chapter mm-hmm. of the Bible where it's like, oh, look at all these people and all their faith. Samson is mentioned in Hebrews 11. Like ruins the whole credibility of <laughs> Hebrews 11. Well, <laughs> and the Bible itself doesn't call this the like hall of faith yeah. or the faith chapter or whatever. That's kind of a little chapter title we gave it. Yeah. But the whole point of Hebrews 11 is saying like, look, by faith, look what God did yeah. through these people. And we clearly don't have the whole story of Samson. There's 20 years here between, you know, killing the thousand Philistines and yeah. his eyes being gouged out and his death. So he could have been living the most righteous. Well, I mean, I, I kind of <laughs> doubt that. But yeah, he's not exactly setting that precedent. No, but, <laughs> but clearly there was something, there's like an element here that we don't get. Yeah. Um. But I just wanted to read this from Hebrews 11, 32 through 34. 
What more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. All I can think to summarize this here is that God uses the broken. All of these examples. um, I mean, here we have Samson and David in the same sentence being compared for their same acts. And David was a man after God's own heart. David did a lot of righteous things. And yet David was faithless. Like he had moments of, of faithlessness and sin, great sin, grievous sin and misunderstanding and missing what God was doing and failing his own family and all of these like crazy things that David was a part of too. And yet like, these are the people that God brought about his purposes through. And even like through David, literally who Jesus, who he brought about Jesus. Yeah. And so God loves to use broken people, even throughout these stories of the judges and of, you know, the conquest of Canaan, all these things. God used Philistines, God used Amorites, God used Gentiles and pagans in like Mm -hmm. every sense of the word and brought them into his fold and brought about Jesus and his purposes and deliverance and all these things. And I guess an encouragement to, to you listener might just be like, do you feel like God cannot do anything with you? Do you feel like you are too far gone? Do you feel like you have messed up too mightily? I promise you haven't. I promise that God, God is the one who brings about the good work. God is the one who brings about the fruit and all he requires is obedience. All he requires is sacrifice. And, um, he, he loves you. He just wants you to turn towards him to, um, ask for his sight, to ask for his understanding, to ask for his heart and his spirit. Um, and he offers it freely. Yeah. I mean, really, it's just, it's incomprehensible that this is our God. And there's no other explanation or worldview or system or little God or whatever that can be described this way and explained this way. Like he is powerful and perfect and sufficient and so good. So yeah. I don't know if you have any closing thoughts. <clears throat> just, we see like all of the the pain, physical, emotional, whatever you want to yeah. call it, pain that, Samson is enduring because of his own actions. There is great consequence. Like, we cannot ignore that. Yeah, and I just want to, like, emphasize, like, how much more, like, could the Lord's will have been accomplished in his time if he had just submitted his life to the Lord. Um, And I think that that's something that we can absolutely take to heart and know that the... (laughs) The way, the amount that the Lord works through us is directly in correlation with how um, how willing we are to be used and how available. Mm-hmm. And Samson did not make himself available often. And so uh, see him enduring, you know, all of these hard things. And I think that even in the times when the spirit of the Lord fell on him and he was equipped for something and blowing that something detrimental happened to Samson because he was still walking in his unrighteousness. You know what I mean? God gave him the strength to rip open and then he immediately goes and defiles his family. And then, (laughs) you know, gives him the whatever, the brain to go tie up some foxes and light them on fire and send them (laughs) through a field. And then immediately, you know, the Philistines are after him. You know what I mean? I know. No, it's just funny. Yeah. Continue. (laughs) In all of that. Like there was so much pain and hurt and heartache that could have been avoided if Sam submitted his will and been a ready tool in God's hand instead of 
God strong-arming him into yeah. being, into upholding that Nazarite vow yeah. that he had from the beginning. So uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I think this story raises a lot of um, potentially like good, weighty theological questions. Oh, yeah. For all of us to like sit with and Yeah, I wish I could like put on. a little bow on this and like tie it up for you and be like, and here's why this all makes yeah. sense. And it I doesn't. can't do yeah. that for you. <laughs> I am not equipped or trained to yeah. do so. But I hope what this has done is point you to Jesus, point you yeah. to God and his power and his plan and his grace and his judgment and all of those things. And I think that's where we can leave it today. But yeah. the Bible is full of imperfect people and a perfect, gracious God. And, you know, God's not God's not done. He's not done mm-hmm. with you. He's not done with humanity. He's not done with us. Um, and he will have victory and he will accomplish his his ends and his purposes so that should be joyful and encouraging to all of us so uh thank you today we are so grateful for your listenership and if you want to follow along see what we're up to us on instagram at the katie's podcast and if you have any comments or questions or prayer requests or i don't know if you just want to reach out to us uh we love to hear from you at our email the Katie's podcast at gmail.com and we love reviews so if you want to leave us a review we, do. Uh, we would just absolutely love that and it helps a lot it gets us put in front of other listeners when they search things and yeah that's that's all we have for you today but keep keep listening we've got good stuff coming down the pipeline and we appreciate you and we'll talk to you so soon bye bye